again, when you have a compelling purpose, in my experience, you can attract top talent, which I think is really important. And top talent nowadays isn't chasing money. They're not chasing prestige. They're chasing a lot of things. They're chasing work-life balance. They're chasing making a difference in the world. A compelling purpose can provide that. And if it's not compelling, I take the case you're not going to get the best people because the best people want to do something impactful. Hi, I'm Belden Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, I'm joined by Andy Schaefer, Managing Director of Fiddleworth Medical. He shares with us a simple way to know if your organization's purpose is compelling. He also discusses how changing their approach to strategy resulted in a more commercial leadership team. Finally, he describes how they help their people cope with the pressures of a demanding purpose. Andy, welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. Um, Maybe we could get things going a little bit just by you telling us a bit about yourself and about Fiddleworth. Yeah, so I'm Andy Schaefer. I'm the Managing Director of Fiddleworth Medical. Um, I've been with the Fiddleworth business for five years, and we're part of a a global organization of medical device companies. Uh, And I've been part of that organization for 15 years. Quite simply, we look after people, and we do this as an NHS contractor supporting individuals with uh, ostomies, individuals using urology products, wound care, et cetera. And we are a distributor, essentially a a specialist pharmacy is a way to to look at Fiddleworth. Mm -hmm. And do you distribute directly sort of to the patient or is there somebody between you and the patient? We distribute directly to the patient. Mm -hmm. Monthly prescription coordinating between the patient, the end user and their GP to get their prescription and obviously uh, supporting through the NHS. Sure. And when you say distributor, do you also provide any kind of patient services or purely sort of a product? Yeah, it's a good question. So the core of what we do is the distribution and and the monthly supporting of products. We also offer, we have a clinical team that supports with clinical care. We have a lot of value-added offerings such as healthcare advice, dietary advice, trying to really meet the needs and support of um, the population of individuals. And so it may be kind of an obvious question, but what's the purpose of the organization? Our purpose is to make life more rewarding and dignified for the people that we serve. That's how we articulate it today. To give some background to that, Belden, our business was started back in 1984 in the West Sussex village of Fiddleworth, hence the name. And we began in a garage by our founders, Mr. and Mrs. Seymour. And at that time, they didn't articulate the purpose the way we do, but the purpose was always taking care of people, making life more rewarding for individuals. In 2002, we joined this global family of companies under the umbrella of JDS. And within this family at that time in 2002 is when we articulated it in the way that it stated today, which is making life more rewarding and dignified for the people we serve. Mm-hmm. Now, the way you've described that and the way you're almost saying it, it sounds like that was something that existed before you showed up five years ago. Um, 
has have have you in your time there sort of reexamined that or changed it? Is like, no, this is great. That's what I'm here for. That's what we're all about. You know, what's the sort of trade off there between change and you know, kind of renewal and stability? We did reexamine it absolutely. So, so I did inherit this purpose statement. We reexamined it. Would have been 2019. We took a look at it, and at that time, with our leadership team. You know, after uh, several hours of discussion and, and thinking it through, we came right back to the same purpose. And I think the reason for that, Belden, is it's incredibly strong in our organization. And I, I find it's potentially easier for us in the healthcare sector, in the medical world, to really, really have a strong, powerful purpose. It's a bit inherent in what we do and the DNA of, of the people that work in a business like ours. So unsurprisingly to me, we came right back and landed on the exact same articulation of our purpose after we re-examined it. And if I've got it right, the mechanics of that were it was you and your top team. Correct. Yep. Was that a sort of conscious choice to keep it reasonably small or was it just, you know, we didn't even think about involving a bigger group. We didn't really want to do a big drains up. We just kind of wanted to tap it and make sure it was still sound. How explicit was the thinking about who was going to be involved? Yeah, we, we had um, our top leadership is about 10% of our organization, give or take. Um, so that's who we had together initially. Okay. So it was a pretty big... It was. Yeah. It was. Our game plan was, let's see where we land with this group. If there was any substantive change, then we would go deeper and we'd, we'd test it throughout the organization to see if it resonated. There was no need to because we all came out completely aligned on keeping it the same. Right. Right. Again, I get the sense this was maybe sort of over the course of an hour, a couple of hours in a day that touched on other topics. Is that sort of the sense of it? Yeah, I would say it was probably half a day that we spent on it. Okay. When you got to that, was that like, whew, fabulous, you know, we're, we're still in the right spot? Or was it like, huh, a little disappointing, I was hoping for something? No, it's, um, I would say neither. It, it wasn't relief or satisfaction. I guess the best adjective for it would be unsurprising, given how strong it was. We have a very strong culture, uh, really high engagement. It's a different vibe, different culture in the Fiddleworth organization. So I was just personally unsurprised that we came out and articulated our purpose exactly as we had come into the meeting. Mm -hmm. Did you do all of that strictly internally or did you bring in some experts on purpose or was it like, no, we kind of know the conversation we need to have. We're quite happy having it. Just us. Yeah. The meat of the conversation was us. We had a facilitator there because we had a couple of days of other things going on who helped us organize our thinking, but the meat of it was all internally. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good. No, that's really, really interesting. And you, you sort of touched on strategy. If I got it right, in 2019, you revisited both. Tell me about the sort of the strategy bit. Yeah, so we had gotten that same team together, and we started with purpose and made sure that that was solidified first. And then our view is certainly that purpose comes before strategy and, and really serves as the foundation and the lens with which we would view strategy. So once we solidified that, we went on to strategy and, you know, we, we have a more of a standardized process we use around the world. But in essence, we spent a couple of days locked away somewhere with the leadership team and really got clear on what we thought the future would look like going through the, the standard Porter five forces, et cetera, really nailing down what we thought the environment would look like a few years out and then identifying what the gaps were and the role we could play in shaping that future to ultimately come out with, with what our strategic direction was. Mm -hmm. And how did the purpose help in sort of making any of the strategic choices you had to make? If we revisit our purpose, you know, our purpose is not about making money. It's not about adding value to shareholders. 
it's very purely about making life better for people. So when we came down to the strategy and we're making those trade-offs and making those decisions, it was all put through the lens of our purpose. So nothing strategically we're doing is for the sole purpose of making money. If it doesn't better people's lives at the end of it, it's not something we chose to do. So really, I would say, to summarize, it acted as a filter as we were making trade-offs, making those decisions. And at the end, when we stepped back, we were able to look at our strategy and make sure that it was in line with our purpose and there was no dissonance there. And as you went through that journey, did it all just sort of fall into place? Or were there actually some times where there was a bit of back and forth? Gee, is this, I know that could be a great idea, but it doesn't quite, how did that debate go or did it just not ever turn up? Yeah, it, it certainly came up. It certainly did. You know, there would be examples where I would say there was nothing, nothing that would come up that was really um, purely dissonant with the purpose. Rather, our conversations would be connecting the dots and really understanding how this fulfills our purpose. Right. Okay. Okay. Kind of creating that line of sight. Creating the line of the golden thread. Yeah. Just making sure we're all clear on how this activity connects with what we're out to do, the outcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Earlier, you talked about, uh, if I've got it right, JDS and sort of this, I think you used the word family for the group. Can you just say what the interaction there is? Yeah. So JDS has their mission statement, which is more or less the same as ours. So years ago, when, when we became part of the family in 2002 and looking at how to better articulate it, at that time, it made sense to align it with the overall JDS mission statement. And so that happened at that point. So JDS, we're a family of companies all around the world, various divisions. We are part of KMT Medical, which is a global network of medical device distributors uh, all across the world, a very large group of companies. And we all articulate our purpose a bit different within the KMT companies, but very clearly aligned in the essence and the spirit of what we're all committed to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as far as sort of your strategy, does does that have to be approved by group or, you know, or is it sort of so long as broadly you're headed towards the purpose that they kind of think, yeah, that's that's in the family of the broad purpose, you're kind of left to carry on. How does all that work out? The reason we're probe on this is this is an issue for a lot of businesses that are parts of groups. It's a really good question. Uh, we have guardrails that are set, but certainly within our organization, you're dealing with healthcare. Every country has their own nuances, their own differences. So strategically, that allows us more flexibility. There is no real one-size-fits-all for our, uh, our group of companies. So the guardrails are fairly high level, and we have a lot of flexibility internally with how we want to execute to win based on those in external environments. Are those guardrails expressed in terms of financial numbers or more sort of policy guardrails? We will do this and we won't do that kind of stuff, or is it a mix? It's a mix, uh, predominantly on the financial side. Certainly, we know what the strategic direction is of the greater organization. So ensuring that we're aligned with that and not in conflict with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing we haven't touched on is obviously there's been a huge, you know, both public and media focus on climate change and net zero. That doesn't seem to have shown up in what we've been talking about before. Do you think an organization today can be successful with a purpose that doesn't somehow relate to that? I don't think you can be successful today if you're not incorporating environmental sustainability into your purpose in some way. And I think that's evidenced by the change with the big oil companies 
their mission statements, their purposes have changed certainly over the last five years. And when we look at Fiddleworths, we've had some conversation about this because we have a huge drive towards sustainability. It's not explicitly called out in our purpose, but inherently, if we're about taking care of people, making their lives more rewarding, we certainly need to make sure we're supporting and not damaging the world they live in. Again, that's one of those conversations we had strategically about making sure that connects to our purpose. And we're very clear on how all of our activities around driving a sustainable, you know, lower carbon footprint supports our purpose. Right. And we might come back to this, but one of the things I'm very interested in is how organizations kind of line that up with the rest of their strategy, sort of not have it be, oh, and then there's this thing on the side. Some deliberately do it that way. You know, we've got a sustainability program and it does something off to the side. Others seek to put it more kind of in the core. But maybe you could just, within the bounds of commercial, kind of competitive, et cetera, et cetera, can you describe what your strategy is broadly? Yeah, I would summarize it as we're out to offer differentiated, unrivaled support to end users and strategically multiple buckets that will do that. The most important one from my perspective is around our people. Uh, that's our key strategy. So if we talk about in the context of providing unrivaled support, no matter how much the world becomes automated, there still will be in our industry some level of human to human interaction. And so our belief is if we get the best people that are the most engaged, that are purpose-driven, that will allow us to tap into that differentiation and that unrivaled experience for our end users. Mm -hmm. You mentioned people. I know from conversations I've had with other CEOs, one of the issues they kind of wrestle with sometimes is, should we hire for fit with the purpose or should we hire for skill set? I mean, that makes it very black and white. It's more, you know, how do we balance those two? How does all that work out for Fiddleworth? Absolutely, we hire with a purpose first. So if we're thinking of it as a tick list of must-haves, that's number one. Uh, and it's more than just a purpose. It's somebody who is motivated by that purpose, but it also falls into our values, our behaviors, the rest of our culture that envelops our purpose. But absolutely, for me, that's a must. I don't think that narrows the field too much, certainly in our industry. I don't think there are too many people who don't want to serve other people and you know work towards a bigger cause than themselves. So I think that leaves us with a pretty big size of the pie left to then get into those hard skills that we need for the particular job we're hiring for. So it almost sounds like it's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a gate right at the beginning that says, well, if you're not excited about helping other people, supporting other people, if you're not excited about that, maybe you should go somewhere else. And then after that, then you get into all the sort of, do you have the right skills and, and all that sort of stuff? That's spot on. And, it, and in fact, those exact words, Belden, we do induction sessions and where I speak to all the new joiners in, in monthly and quarterly sessions. And I actually say that explicitly. I say the work here we do is hard. It's difficult at times. But if you really are fulfilled by this type of work, you're not going to find many places to work that are as fulfilling as this. But if you're not fulfilled by this, you should definitely find another job because it's way too difficult. Just so I'm not imagining, if you can, maybe could you describe one or two of the kind of situations that makes it difficult? Yeah, the immediate example that comes to mind is our clinical team. If we talk about ostomy patients uh, in particular, a lot of them will have had some form of cancer. And so these are very, very challenging emotional uh, interactions to go through. It takes a certain kind of person to support somebody in one of the most difficult times of their lives, but it can be incredibly rewarding if you're somebody that's fulfilled by that. 
And then I would say it translates that to our customer service team. We're talking to end users each and every day, talking to them about their challenges, whether they're in a wheelchair, spinal cord injured, or other type of condition. And so it requires a great level of empathy. And you get into some very powerful conversations. We have a, a lot of clients who pass away while we're supporting them. You develop a very strong connection with our customers when you work for Fiddleworth. That, that's not always easy, given the conditions uh, of these individuals. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think you're touching on there is almost the sometimes undiscussed dark side of having a purpose, which is it can be really all consuming sometimes. It can, you know, it, it can really draw people in and challenge them. What do you do to support your staff through situations like that? Such a great question, Feldon. And, and to, to give an example of why that's such an important question, we've had situations where individuals, it, it, it's such a focus, knowing that there's somebody at the end of every order, end of every call, who's relying on them just to be able to leave the house and, and live, live their life the way they want to live. And it has our people going above and beyond all the time. But the dark side of that, to your point, is we have experienced people going too far and burning themselves out a bit because it can be such an exhausting endeavor when they really, really soak in it. So that's why with our people strategy being the most important to provide that unrivaled service because people need to take care of themselves. So an example of that is, I would say during COVID, we really focus on taking care of our people, knowing that the best way to take care of our customers was to take care of our people. And if we took care of them, they'd pay it forward and be able to take care of our customers. So we did a ton during COVID, lots of wellness sessions, virtual yoga sessions were put on. We had home packs uh, going out to all of our employees. The kids were often sent home. So we had our employees working at home alongside their kids, trying to homeschool them. So we sent coloring books out, something for the family, make it a whole family ordeal as there's certainly um, those lines between family life and work life were non-existent for all of us. We brought in a special trainer to talk to our teams about empathy the difference between empathy and sympathy and training about how to handle difficult situations when you find out that a customer has passed away, different support services from that regard. So the list goes on and on. It's, it's a huge focus for us. Yeah, yeah. And where do most of the bulk of your new employees come from? Are they already sort of in the world of healthcare or is it, no, they're, they're kind of coming into that world through Fiddleworth? Most are from other industry and they come into it through Fiddleworth. We try to look for a service experience and service background. So quite a bit from, from all kinds of retail, hospitality, et cetera. Good. You said both, you know, you kind of revisited the purpose in 2019 and you also had a look at your strategy then. And then you talked a bit about COVID, you know, 2019, it, I don't know exactly when any of you did it, but I could imagine it's sort of like we, we had a look at our strategy and whoa, what happened here? You know, how'd you navigate through all of that and where did the purpose fit in? What did you do with the strategy? How did all that work? Purpose became front and center. You know, we were having to make, like, like every company, I'd imagine, having to make decisions very quickly with very limited information, very little idea of how long things would last, how things would unfold. And our purpose really guided us. Under our purpose, I would say, we established three clear outcomes. Take care of our people so they can take care of our end users. And that by default, our business would be sustainable and we'd make it through the crisis. And those were our guiding principles, which fit right in with our purpose of making life more rewarding and dignified. And so every decision was made from that small lens, whether that was sending staff home right away, you know, mandating masks before masks were mandated by the government, 
all these things trying to stay on top of it to keep things going. Strategically, we found some things were actually accelerated. So part of our strategy is really to go through this digital transformation that most companies are going through. That got accelerated. Remote working, the use of Teams, virtual meetings. These were things we had talked about as future initiatives. And overnight, we had many of these things in place. Other areas of the strategy slowed down. Commercially, we focused in hospitals, supporting clinicians. Hospital access was cut off overnight and remained cut off for a year plus across most of the UK. So certain areas of the strategy definitely had to pause. Other areas were accelerated faster than we ever thought possible. So kind of a mixed bag. Right. And in the face of that, have you said, okay, this stuff that's been accelerated, we can kind of ease off on that a bit. You know, there's a place we wanted to be in three years and we're past that already. We can slow down on that. And then these other things that we weren't able to make progress on, let's really focus on that. Or, or is it sort of, no, no, great. We've moved forward really quickly. We want to go even further because the world's very different and your strategy is kind of having to respond. How are you thinking about all that? Yeah, it's great, great progress, not good enough, let's keep going, is our approach. To add context to that, Belden, those areas that we've made the most progress on are the ones that we didn't appreciate that we would need them so quickly. If we talk about the digital side, for example. So now there's no room to be comfortable because who knows what's going to come next? Who knows how technology will further evolve? It's moving so rapidly. And so there's no room for contentness there for us. So we're moving ahead across the board. Mm -hmm. You said earlier, sort of this, you know, no matter how much there's technology, there's always that human interaction. How's that playing out? If we look at the population of, of our end users that we support, it skews older than the median or mean age of the overall UK population. Many of our uh, end users live alone. Many of them are elderly. Um, so while the technology is in place for them to place an order and track things um, through technology... At the end of the day, a lot of these individuals still love to call and, and talk to their favorite member of the Fiddleworth team. And especially at a time during COVID with lockdowns, requirements to stay at home. So actually what we found is our conversations, our average handling time has got longer and still are longer because people want to spend more time on the phone, more time connecting with another human. I don't think technology can replace that connection. And in fact, from what we've seen in our experience, it's actually expanded as people haven't gotten that interaction elsewhere in their lives. If you think about the journey, I know you've been at Fiddleworth longer than that, but just sort of from that 2019 time to now, including as you were thinking about the purpose and the strategy, anything in there you're particularly proud of in the way you've sort of gone about it? Yeah, two things. The first is COVID. I couldn't be more proud of our leadership and our organization for how we supported our team, supported our end users, and supported the NHS during the, the peak of the crisis. I don't know if anything will top that in my career. It was just an unbelievable experience of unity during a time of you know, incredible uncertainty. The other thing that I'm proud of is in 2019, I mentioned that we had about 10% of our organization participate uh, in those sessions. That was the biggest team we'd had. Uh, it was always a much smaller team coming into that period when we refreshed everything. And for me, I'm proud of that. I think it was a great development opportunity for a lot of individuals. It also resulted in, from my perspective, a much more enriched informed strategy because we had people who were much much deeper into the operational elements of our business who added great value to that process. So I'm very proud of that. That only accelerates as we move forward. So we'll continue the broader group every time we have these strategic rethinks and refreshes. And I think things will get easier as everybody grows that strategic muscle 
uh, built on that foundation of what we did a couple of years ago. Andy, that's really interesting. As, as I think, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of more inclusive approaches to strategy. As you were talking about that, I got the sense that by bringing more of those people in, you address an issue I hear lots of CEOs worry about, complain about, is my people aren't commercial enough. You know, which usually means they're not thinking about their decision in the broader context of what we're actually trying to do. Would you say that's also been a benefit of this or kind of that's just the bee in my bonnet? No, I, I think absolutely it's been a benefit and two elements to that benefit. The first is when we talk about our broader leadership team, that brought in more commercial people into the conversation. We did have more of the commercial element there, but also we brought in more non-commercial people from the operational components of our business. So they got to you know live in that commercial conversation much more than they probably ever had up to that point in their career. And so we got the benefit of having a more commercially driven strategy, as well as, again, developing and broadening the thinking of the other elements of our organization. Everything that's bright and shiny always somewhere has the, the darker side. Is there anything in that whole thing that was you know difficult or where the outcome wasn't quite what you were looking for? I, the journey was difficult at times. Um, but it's one, I think, necessary. Uh, when you bring in a broader group, again, individuals who are newer to thinking at this type of strategic level, it slows things down. That's a lesson for me, reflecting on are there ways to accelerate that? I think it's part of the journey, you know, and there's a, there was a lot of development that happened through that struggle. It's a necessary struggle. And maybe a tangential thought to that, Belden, is, you know, I'm, I'm a very fast-moving person. I want things to happen yesterday. And uh, I had to develop my own personal level of patience and, and really the go slow to go fast mentality. And, and we found that a couple of times as we, we kind of thought we were getting fast and realized we hadn't had things as synced up, as buttoned up as we thought. And we had to stop, pause, recalibrate to make sure that dependencies were lined up, resourcing was tightened up, et cetera. So for me, the biggest lesson is go slow to go fast out of that and be patient. And, and don't try to rush to the next step and get into execution too quickly. Yeah, yeah. You sort of touched on it, but just to focus in on it for a second, you know, what's the impact been on you personally? How are you different having led this organization on this journey over the last couple of years? COVID's really had me personally connecting to what we're about and why we existed for the world. When as a group of countries, we were watching the NHS day by day, looking at case counts, um, wondering if it was going to topple over, right, and if patients were being triaged. We had a role at Fiddleworth to support the NHS, and we knew if we took care of our patients and we got them their products and we supported them with conversations that we were able to have to stop them from having to go into the hospital and add another case to the NHS load, that it would ultimately help the fight. Um, so for me personally, in that experience, connecting to our purpose, I connected in a way I never thought possible. I think for me, as, as a leader of the organization, off the back of that, the power, the power of purpose, when you have a really compelling purpose, it makes everything else so easy and clear. Decision-making becomes much clearer when you have a purpose that isn't just a tagline on a website, but it's something you truly believe in and your people believe in. And we've talked about hiring decisions. We've talked about strategic decisions. It's all a heck of a lot easier when you're very clear on why you exist as a business. And do you think Fiddleworth's ownership, being part of this group that itself has this purpose, that it sounds like, I mean, you've sort of said, we're not driven just to maximize money. Is that something that you, know, you wouldn't be able to take this approach if you didn't have that? Or is it sort of, no, 
maybe that gives us a little more room, but actually that's not the key thing. I don't know if it's the key thing, but it's an important element. If you're driven to hit quarterly results, and that is the paramount responsibility of leadership is to hit quarterly results, I take the case that it has you making decisions that you wouldn't have otherwise made that are maybe financially or commercially driven versus people-driven um, and supporting people-driven. So I, I do take that case. I think it's an element. I wouldn't say it's a key piece to it, though. Yeah. As you think about your own leadership approach and style, would you say it's different now? And if so, you know, kind of how is it different? How does that actually show up in what people see or hear from you? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Maybe patience is the area I've developed the most. Again, going back, I like to move quickly. And I think throughout the strategic process, as we talked about, we were forced to move slowly, forced to stop. And it was a good lesson for me there. That dovetailed right into COVID, as you mentioned. Uh, we, we did this in December of 2019. And three months later, here's COVID. So um, having to move quickly at that point in time. So it's a bit of a yo-yo effect. And also, I think I've got a much better understanding of how things are all interconnected from the operational elements of running a business to the strategic side, how to get the right cadence, how to bring a business along and knowing when to focus on the operational side, when to focus on the strategic side. You know, it's a big choreographed act. And I think I've gotten better as a conductor of that over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. If you had any tips or suggestions for other leaders who are trying to bring purpose more to the form, put it more in the center of the business, bring it more alive. If there's one or two things you'd point to, what would you sort of say, I'd make sure I did this or I wouldn't do that? Yeah, three things I would suggest uh, from my experience. The first is make sure that your purpose is compelling. Take the time to revisit it. One of the ways it occurs to me, you would know if it's compelling is if you find yourself talking about it often. If you have one and nobody knows it and you're not talking about it and you don't feel the need to talk about it, it's probably not very compelling. In my experience, a compelling purpose is one that you want to shout about and keep front and center uh, all the time. The second thing is making sure you're leveraging that purpose. Again, when you have a compelling purpose, in my experience, you can attract top talent, which I think is really important. And top talent nowadays isn't chasing money. They're not chasing prestige. They're chasing a lot of things. They're chasing work-life balance. They're chasing making a difference in the world. A compelling purpose can provide that. And if it's not compelling, I take the case you're not going to get the best people because the best people want to do something impactful um, and make a difference. And the third thing is, I kind of mentioned it throughout, but talk about it. Talk about it all the time. I don't think you can talk about your purpose enough and link things to that purpose. If you're recognizing somebody for um, being promoted, tie it back to the purpose. It's not a difficult thing or a synthetic thing. I think it's quite natural when you have a compelling purpose. Tie it back to big decisions. Why are we making decision X? Well, it's in line with our purpose. You know, when you do that enough and do that frequently, it really changes the DNA of an organization in a good way. I think I take out of that one of the things is if you're a chief exec, and your organization's purpose doesn't really speak to you, you probably need to do a bit of work, either on, well, what's a purpose around here that would speak to me, or maybe I'm not in the right place. I, 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 you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's kind of what I take out of that, is if, I, I, like, the, I like that first tip. You know, if you don't just sort of find yourself talking about it a lot, because it means something to you. That's that's a clue. There's a clue in there somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If as a leader, if you don't feel it and you don't believe in it, your people won't. So 
And so I think that's the starting spot. And I would also offer if, if your organizations, if you don't feel it's successful, if your people aren't engaged, whatever that metric is, and, and you're not happy with the direction, I would always come back to the purpose and make sure that's fit. Yeah, no, that's a great note to end on. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really fabulous. Thanks so much. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist.